All right, so I'm very excited to introduce our next guest. He's a real dentist, guys. He's a real dentist, okay? Um, the only way I can describe it as like, you're kind of like EME royalty, East meets East royalty. He's the kind of guy for the audio listeners, like girls come on, they're like, oh my God, Daniel's so hot. Daniel's amazing. He's so smart. So um, you guys are in for a treat. Let's see if he's really smart and really handsome and really tall. So, <laughs> all right. but yeah, um, I am really excited um, for this next guest. I think he's really smart. He has a very unique worldview that I don't think he can tell people because of where he is. Um, but he is based in Washington, D.C. He live streams. So welcome, Dr. Daniel. Uh, hi, Lee. Uh, glad to be here with you. Um, it's a nice introduction, probably nicer than I. All right. Uh, so. Can you tell us if it's, is it even possible to be a dentist and funny at the same time? Uh, I'd say uh, no, not really, because no, I feel like the, <laughs> absolutely not, since I bet, I bet most of us are just, uh, or the worldview is that we're just a bunch of sadists and uh, we're here to make your lives miserable, you know, poke your gums, tell you that you don't floss enough, mm -hmm. make you feel like uh, you're not doing, whatever you do isn't good enough. and. Uh, we're out of here mostly hurting people. Otherwise, I think we'd probably be comedians, uh, but we're not, we're not there yet. We're usually just, but I think uh, actually my real opinion is probably that like uh, most of us, I think just healthcare in general, like I don't know if you watch like Scrubs or something like that. I think mm -hmm. in general, healthcare professions, we're in like this uh, sort of unique situation where we're uh, doing the bedside manner thing and you can't laugh at certain things. And I feel like, <laughs> A lot of times I want to laugh <laughs> and some of it's not funny just like something stupid like uh, sometimes when something is uncomfortable I can hear the patient go and I go I want to sometimes what? burst no they're just going, they're going like because it, it hurts but there's stuff in their mouth so they're like I, I want to laugh and sometimes I let it happen I laugh and I go, See, that is not funny I'm sorry about that but uh just the noises can be funny or the mm -hmm. situation i can see that they're in pain but i have to keep going sometimes see, there's not really a choice uh, most of the times it's painless but occasionally mm -hmm. i see or disc discomforts like mm -hmm. and i just keep going Interesting. uh but yeah since we're in that situation a lot i think a lot of times i make up like i imagine a lot of weird scenarios a lot of funny scenarios i can't think of it at the time but sometimes it just kind of pops into my head mm -hmm. and i'm like oh man that would be hilarious if this thing was going on or sometimes i'm like maybe i should say something like uh, i live in dc so it's like a, a political area everyone's got right. something to uh, right. say and sometimes i look at the person and i can or i can kind of tell when they say when they walk in they say something did you see the news you can sort of see where they lean and sometimes mm -hmm. sometimes i uh, every occasionally i will do it where i'm just being mean I'll say everything that they don't believe. And I'll just oh, kind of, can and you they, give an example? They're, well, while they're they're they can't up, say yeah, While they load it up, like, uh, you yeah. know, you'll say stuff like, uh, like, uh, like, you can say, like, I can't believe it, you know, whatever, like, Trump did or something. And then yeah. you just go in, and you're like, yeah, I agree with uh, a lot of this stuff. And, and you just, you start saying stuff and you can just see, yeah. you see the frustration <laughs> going on. And then at some point, sometimes it, get really upset and they like start taking stuff out of their mouth like, you know what <laughs> and i go just kidding i'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's hilarious oh my god i'm just, 
you know, I just, I only, I was just saying that just, uh, I was just, just for a reaction. Um, That's hilarious. I do a lot of talking to try and keep the, uh, the feel, like the procedures can go long. So I try to keep the procedures uh, at least moving along in their head so that by distracting mm-hmm. them with whatever topics I got for the day. Mm-hmm. I see. Uh, so uh, a lot of people know you through this app called East Meets East and live streaming. Can you tell us like what what has that been like? Why why did you do that? Uh, that one was <laughs> interesting because uh, I actually did not know about it. I was in Vegas with one of my friends, uh, uh, two of my friends actually, and one night uh, we had come back from like a long night of clubbing. I think we saw like Tiesto or something, and we came back to the room. And we're laying down and we're like, man, in a couple hours we have to be up so we can do whatever activities that we planned. Uh, the next day we're like, oh, we have these, you know, we have another concert to go to, like a beach club or something like that, or a pool club during the day. And uh, one of my friends like was looking at his phone. I guess he opened up uh, his dating app or something. And uh, he, we went to the video section and he goes, oh man, there's a video section. He's like, uh, I was kind of like, I looked over we're laying on the same bed I looked over at his phone I go what is that and I was listening to him and it seemed like you know it was like really early on I think they just added a section and initially there's just like girls on there that uh seemed highly uncomfortable not not really uh nothing really interesting people asking them questions because you can see the girl she's doing stuff uh, she may or may not be doing stuff. Usually it just ends up being like a staring conjure, just kind of staring at you <laughs> and you're staring at them. Oh, and people ask like just lame questions, I guess, because guys, they, they don't want to like blow their shot. So right, basically right. they just ask like very polite questions and it's, it's so superficial. And I'm like, you're not going to go anywhere because you're the hundredth guy probably on here that said, hello, or what's your favorite color? Just repeating the same questions. So I started trying to mix it up, but sometimes they wouldn't play along. So then what questions doing, do you ask Dr. Daniel? Uh, questions that I ask, uh, a little bit more, I, I like a little more hard hitting or sometimes it's just like hard, a little bit, up. a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Yeah, just something <laughs> random, you know. It's not always like I don't usually do like weirdly like sexual questions or anything. Like I just ask like uh I don't know, like sometimes it's like uh sometimes political of nature or, or I try to, you know, my favorites is always to try and slide them over to you like ethnic questions. Is it ethnic or or or, or racial questions? Oh like uh, actually no, ethnic. ethnic or, yeah, ethnic ones cuz I feel like that that can open up the platform for people to say you know, either inappropriate okay. things or funny okay. things. That's interesting. So why do you think Koreans are the way they are? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Why, why, I would say that there's a, there's a unique parenting style that I think hmm. that uh, Koreans get. Uh, we get, uh, you, from what I know, from my experience and most of the Koreans I know here, it's going to be a little bit different because I'm Korean American mm-hmm. yeah, raised yeah. here. Mm-hmm. And, and the culture actually diverged when, uh, after a lot of Koreans came over after the Korean war, mm-hmm. uh, the cultures diverged. They're a little bit different. Korean Americans will be different than the, uh, maybe Korean Koreans. Uh, they kind of went separate ways, but, uh, I know it's like a lot of hard work and, uh, they they just want. I mean, it's not unique to Korean culture, but like with Asian culture, just they're usually driving you. Whatever you do is never good enough. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot of uh, 
love. There's not a lot of like, yeah, embrace me, baby. Not not a lot of that. There's a lot of just like, you do your part, I do my part. You're a student, and you do uh, what a student does all the time. And I am a parent, and I will provide. And in the the unspoken, it's like a very business like yes, relationship. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like. I hired you, or I, I created hired you. you. I created you, <laughs> and I. Can I return you? Can I return you? Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, you can't in Asia. In some parts of Asia, you can just return them. <laughs> if the you're born a girl, if you're within the nine months, you actually are returnable. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, sometimes you know you hit the you know you're five years old. You know what? We're just gonna dig a hole. <laughs> No more, but uh, in general, you can't return them. But uh, we got, I guess, like we just get a lot of pressure from them to to, to do well, and they they do it like in a business relationship where I feed you, I close you, and a lot of the times they will financially back you for whatever you really need in your academic pursuit. That's generally the idea behind a lot of uh, Asian Americans. Uh, uh, I do see that it's kind of interesting because, like, yeah. Sometimes American Americans or white Americans, uh, I see their parents like really trying to push them out the house at 18. They're like, you know, college is on your own. Uh, get you alone. Uh, if you're still living at my house, then uh, I'm going to charge you rent. <laughs> charge your kid rent? <laughs> uh, I, that's a different culture. But I think in uh, Asian American culture and uh, usually in Asian culture in general, even in Asia, uh, Usually, uh, the parents will kind of financially back you as much as they humanly can, whether it means taking on a second, third, fourth, fifth job, night shift, it doesn't really matter. They'll put in the hours for you as long as you uh, kind of return the favor. Because I think a lot of it, like their parenting style with their community is a lot like, it's kind of like a flex, right? The ultimate Asian flex. flex. I'd be like, you know what? Like, what's your kid do? It's like, right, yeah, exactly. Uh, going exactly. to Harvard or something. Yeah. So yeah. they kind of flex on each other that way. And uh, they try to keep the family image intact. And they try to, uh, ac- academia is, uh, that's highly stressed for uh, the kids. And the kids are completely driven by it. Uh, so they either make it, and I think the majority do make it, but uh, every once in a while you get a big collapse or falling out or uh, a rift forms between the family and the and the, the child. Uh, but that's that's part of it, you know. Yeah, they they put they put you in a highly challenging environment. They expect the the most, uh, probably more than you can actually do, and I think that keeps you on track. So I think that's a you know, there's always, there's so many different parenting styles. I don't think one is better than the other. It it sets you up uh, to, you know, produce a certain product, right? Like, you know, you got a company, uh, some companies rely on volumes and some of them rely on, you know, craft things. They charge more. Well, that's just a different style. You might get a different product. Yeah. So do you feel like your parents are finally like happy with you now that you're like a dentist and you pretty much follow, I mean, are they happy or no? Never going to be happy. Yeah. I think secretly they, they're probably satisfied, but uh, I, I think that uh, for them, well, maybe it's the other way. Maybe they're, maybe they're secretly not satisfied, but uh, it's, I'd, I'd say that they're overall okay. But uh 
I'm sure they always want more, right? They right, always want right. more. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, why aren't more you married? Hours. Right. Yeah. yeah. Where's more money, more hours, uh, own something, buy a big house, or, you know, then it's the kids, right? It's funny because I think, uh, like I was saying before, it's totally academics, academics, academics. Don't worry, your significant other will show up. Uh, don't worry about any of that stuff. Don't date, don't date, because that's going to take away from your academic time. And then all of a sudden, boom. You're an adult. You did all the stuff that they sort of wanted you to do. Be doctor guy. Uh, they, they always wanted you to choose professions that have low floors. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the worst possible, uh, as a doctor, you'll probably make close to six figures. So take that profession. It's safe. They don't want you swinging for the moon. They don't want you to do uh, something on yourself, uh, crazy by yourself. They don't believe in a lot of times, especially korean american culture or asian american culture they're not really believing in stuff like entertainment and stuff which can make you a ton of money or a new business idea that can make you a ton of money but they want you to do the safe thing usually they want you to make sure that you can provide a regular life but all of a sudden boom you do that thing that they want you to do and it switches on you and they go boom where's my babies and go we skipped we skipped way where's the jump where's you're like 30 at this point yeah (laughs) What do you mean? Where's your grandkids? Because like, <laughs> where was the? Don't I need a significant other? Yeah. Like, how do you do that? To, well, so let, let's. Yeah. So like, what do you think about this? Like, do you feel like? Because you're on the East Coast, and you told me like East Coast Asians are different from West Coast Asians. You told me one time, and I was thinking about uh-huh. this. I was like, is it really that? Because honestly, okay, look at you. You would do well in LA, but I. You you say it's hard for you as an Asian dude today. Like, what what are your thoughts? I don't know, and it might be a unique experience for me, but I think that in general, uh, the East Coast isn't as saturated with Asians and Hispanics and different races uh, in a lot of areas. Uh, the area that I live in, it's uh, it's very mixed here, but it's not a ton. There's not as many as LA, uh, and uh, the diversity is not as quite. Uh, there's a lot of diversity, but it's not. If you want to avoid it, you can easily avoid it. Over there, it's a little bit okay. more difficult to avoid. And uh, I think that uh, over over here, and I'm not trying to assign a, a value to it because mm-hmm. right. I don't believe in like real value if this is good or bad. But uh, in general, I think that the uh, prototypical thing someone's looking for here, uh, we got a lot of up au pairs, international students types. They're kind of coming to the States to see America uh, and, you know, and get a job here that they want the typical American uh, experience. And I think the American boy, if you had to, if if you asked a whole bunch of international people that were good artists somehow to draw what you think is a good American boy uh, in general, uh, they're going to probably draw uh, just kind of a, normal looking white guy that's you know tall normal looking white guy so uh that's kind of like what's really popular here uh i was comparing uh my obviously it's just a random comparison because i don't really know how hot my friends are okay like i don't know i can't really evaluate them that way but i was like that guy but my friend here uh mike or chris or whatever they're like normal white guys i'm like looking at their dating apps and they go why can't i get any of these you guys get matches like 9900 a day and i'm over here you know scrapping at one if at all uh and it and it's kind of interesting because it's like uh if asian people see me or if i go to the west coast people are like did you be really popular 
Uh, and when I do go to the West Coast, I can I, I, I do sort of feel that way, mm, or okay. a little bit more popular, not as popular as if I go to Asia, but you know, different types, right? Different places have different ideals for their beauty standard. That might be a thing, but it, you know, it might be a typical, or it might just be that unique pocket that I'm in in that Northern Virginia area. Yeah, ladies, hit them up, okay? I have a feeling after this podcast goes up, it's gonna change. You're gonna have so <laughs> many girls like, yeah. Uh, anyways, so how did you develop your twisted worldview? The worldview thing is like you get your twisted worldview, like a lot of people. I think that most people that have twisted worldviews have a lot of trauma. But trauma, yeah, they they say they go. Do you uh, feel like you're twisted though? Like, do you feel like you're normal? Like the way that you are? Uh, like normal. I don't think I'm normal because here's the thing. I think that like normal, I will define it as like what what most people think. Uh, I don't. Not that I really want to be normal, because right, yeah. then I just Clearly, be like everyone else. After like <laughs> ten minutes, we should be able to tell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I took a. What? <laughs> I think when I was younger, though, I wanted to be normal. I wanted to fit in. I really, I really did. I really want. Everyone wants to when they're young. They just right, want right. to fit in. Mm-hmm. They just want to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And I had, uh, I think, part of it is like a, a, just immediately at a young age, I got dropped into the. The, this area, there was no, hardly any Koreans. Everyone just thought I was Chinese. Uh, and, what do you, uh, what, nobody, okay, what do Korean people think of Chinese people, really? It changes, right? I think, you, it, it's, you like it's, change, it. I think it's changing. <laughs> but uh, oh, okay, okay. Chinese people, I feel like... Uh, I'll tell you I my think, view of Koreans after you, you tell me yours. Yeah. yeah, I think I sort of know what the Chinese people do, I think, as well. But uh, But I think Koreans usually say... I think just stingy was the the one that I got when I was like, mm. younger. They're like, mm. oh, that's so Chinese. Like, like really holding on to their finances mm. really tightly. Right, right. And, uh, but I don't remember any like personality things. Not like, oh, all Chinese We don't have one. Like we don't have personalities. That's the thing. They just said, this is Chinese. It, you, or you, you're like really not, you're not really sharing with everyone. They like, got oh, that person's so Chinese because he's not sharing or like he doesn't mm-hmm. know how to take his turn for paying mm-hmm. for the meal or something. We have like no that. morals. Which is, we, have, we don't have a God. We're just atheists. Just godless. The God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God. We're godless people. We're heathens, yo. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys have everything over there because you got West China. That's like a whole different world, right? Yeah. And you kind of got the down here, the Hong Kong area, it's got a lot of English colonization influence. And then you got the Northern China, it's kind of just a bunch of guys, Mongolian influence, a bunch of guys riding, I, I don't think so, but riding horses or something. Open yeah, plains, riding t- you know horses. TikTok? Yeah, there's like TikTok of this girl riding a uh, horse and like swinging her delivery. It's amazing. Uh, no, I haven't seen it, but it, I, that's what I thought. I just imagined the Mongolian plains, like the Mulan kind of thing, the Genghis Khan area. You yeah, know? hell yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm a descendant of Genghis Khan because I have like a blue birthmark on my butt, and it's called oh, the Mongolian the Mongo- flag. Yeah, the Mongo- yeah, 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 yeah. So you got that uh, killer rapist energy. Too. Really? Yeah. <laughs> bigger legs. Do you notice? Uh, sometimes uh, the ones from the plains, and I don't know if this is a real thing, but the one from the plains, like that grassy northern Chinese area, it's supposed mm-hmm. to have a, a thicker calves potentially, and they might mm-hmm. have a l- thicker calves. It. It might have been some sexual selection, but it probably was sexual selection. But uh, I think it was like it's a lower center of gravity, better for horse riding. 
And you know how oh. some of them, they were so interested in horse riding, right? Right. The whole right. culture is about getting on yes. the horse and being able to yeah. ride it well. Oh, so sense. it might be that those thick legs that might not be so appealing anymore. Mm-hmm. Northern Chinese, you might want to look around. If you are into mm. those thick calves, Yeah. that might be from <laughs> that low center of gravity. Oh, my God. Dan, you know, like, if you were born in Germany in a different time, you would be, like, Dr. Mengele yeah. or something. Like, you'd be, <laughs> yeah. like, eugenics, yeah. like, exterminating yeah. everyone. <laughs> Holy shit, you're so detailed. That's scary. So if you rule the world, what would you do? Uh, assemble the harem is what I always said. Assemble okay. the, That's what all male rulers do, right? How would you Gingas select Star. for the harem, though? Like, would you just go, like... Yeah, how oh, would you yeah. select your, your women in your harem? Because you have the whole world, right? Like, where would well, you at, pick from? At first, you might, like, you know, maybe show some photos. This is my type. This is my type. You might do that initially. But then what you realize is that you rule the world and you can do anything. Right. And you might select somebody, you know, might delegate, you know, delegate. Right, right. Who person. would you make you choose your next harem? Yeah, who should I choose? I, I would choose a girl. I just want to see. because it, Just because I have the harem. Doesn't necessarily mean I have to sleep with it. I mean, I rule the world. That's true. It's like it's like a backup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have it. So I, I let them groom him and see. See, you know, I I would I do a co ownership of here. One guy, one girl. Uh, they get to decide what uh, which ones they're uh, gonna choose. Uh, I want to see. It's it's always interesting to see what what guys think is attractive and girls think is attractive. And uh, a guy would probably know. And maybe we even get a third person. Maybe we get a gay guy and a, a gay they? girl. <laughs> a third, fourth a trans- person. They get the oh, okay. different perspectives and see if they all overlap. I want to know what the mixture is. Everyone finds this person attractive. The guy says, the gay guy says. <laughs> You're so systematic. <laughs> even, even when you can do anything, you just choose to be systematic. Okay. Um, <laughs> anything else? You just pick a harem, that's uh, it? Would you do no, I think that. Uh, would you still do dentistry? Would you still do dentistry if you like? I would. I think I still would do it. I, I like doing it, uh, especially in short bursts. Mm-hmm. Like if I do like an hour or two of dentistry a day, or just a little bit here and there, it's actually really fun. It's oh, wow. uh, it's like it's like crap time. Uh, it's you know, you're building, restoring something. It's like building models. Um, mm-hmm. it's it's actually pretty interesting. I like it. It's just uh, when you have to do something as a job on a daily basis, uh, not as fun, right? It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of tedious. Mm-hmm. Uh, dentistry as a hobby, okay, I can see. Yeah, that. dentistry as a hobby, but summer reading is how, how that summer reading, summer reading for me when I was a child killed reading for me as an adult. I just like wow. yeah, it's something you have to do. Uh, good in theory, but I used to read for fun until summer reading and textbooks hit. Mm-hmm. now I, I can't read things it's just that that's what I do when I'm working mm-hmm. that's unfortunate but well that's what do you do for fun now for fun I, I tend to overlap my fun with something I think is relatively productive I will do a lot of stupid things and the way I justify the stupid things I do like going out and partying or drinking too much I, I justify it by saying like well this I'm doing this thing and it, it seems like highly destructive or not, you know, not very productive. But I say that because it's, uh, I'm still keeping my relationships. I, I feel like mm. I go out with friends and that's part of, uh, the constructive part of it is that I, I keep my, uh, my allegiances just in case everyone turns against me. I got to have a couple friends that will support What are you me. doing? 
that would make everyone turn against you. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Uh, nothing yet. <laughs> nothing yet. yet? Okay. All right. Uh, nothing yet, but at some point, you know, you're bound to make a mistake. It's nice to have someone that backs you. A mistake in what? Like, make everyone turn against you. He say something weird. Not everyone will turn against me. Right. You know, someone, you know, that I have someone, you know, that's supporting what do you, me. That's all. What do you think you could say that would make your parents disown you? That one's interesting. Uh, I'm gay. No, I don't think so. <laughs> they don't actually care. But they, like, um, maybe, right? Or you I make so much this- money that they don't care. That, so I think at this point, because I checked enough boxes, it's hard for them to let, you know, the investment they've already put in and, and the amount of abuse I've already put into them. They're like, you know, it's like a, it's like a bad relationship where you can't let go. You know, your boyfriend, your girlfriend's abusive. It's like, oh, but I put so much time into this. <laughs> I've, already, I've, I've made it this far. I can't like, it's like a bad investment, you know. Just, but your brother is not, right? So you, you have a backup. For your parents? Yeah, they can always scrap me and, and pick up my brother. That my, my dad, or is it my dad? Some One of my parents, I think it was my dad that used to say that he's like, I'm glad I have two sons. Because like, if, <laughs> if anything, I would say that it's like, you know, it's like not, he, he doesn't really like what I was saying. Or oh, what I was man. Doing. Like, I'm glad I have two sons. He goes, it's not you. And I can always go to the other one. I, oh, I don't man. know how healthy that is for uh, a, a growing adult. <laughs> I was gonna ask something, but never mind. Um, <laughs> if you had kids, how would you raise them? I I think I would raise them like my parents. I I don't want to give them too much credit because you know I don't like the parenting stuff. And I think most Asian people, uh, most Asian kids nowadays, is being a little bit different. But I know that the ones that uh, you know similar to our age, uh, we our parents aren't our friends usually. Yeah, so we're not a not. big. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're not into the parent thing. So, like, uh, a lot of times there's a lot of resentment. I don't have resentment anymore. I did have some resentment at periods of time where I resented them because I was like, I don't know if this is the right way. I'm comparing it to American culture, the way American parenting style, different parenting styles I'm c- comparing it to. But uh, now I, I appreciate where it's gotten me. And it's kind of like that weird uh, butterfly effect, time travel paradox. Uh, if you, if you want to go back and you want to change something, because you, I worry that if I change something, then I won't be the person that I am today. Right, right, I right. think that they were very hands off. My mom was always like, uh, she was one a bad cook. Uh, my she's terrible at cooking, which uh, I it took me years to figure out. And not till high school I figured. Does this it out. really matter I, though? Like, what like the cooking and stuff? Yeah, it doesn't. As long as you're fed, well, do you? Well, I, it it did matter because I learned to cook as soon as my nanny left. So I, I was great for my <laughs> nanny. And my nanny left when I was two or three years old. I cried so hard for like a week straight. My mom would try to come over and comfort me. And like my mom wasn't very involved in my uh, upbringing. She wasn't very hands-on. So like I'd be like, nah, who are you? You know? <laughs> who are you? And that was a traumatic experience. But oh uh, around three or four, uh, I started, I, 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 people don't believe me, but at three or four, I was putting, I was trying to at least put in the, the pots and pans on the stove. And I was putting, I, I, I could make scrambled eggs. They were slightly burned, a little overcooked, but like I turn it to highest, put some oil and just kind of move it around until it looks okay. And then I would eat it, which you, me and my brother used to try to make 
pancakes. He was probably like five or six at the time. So he tried to make pancakes, but that never worked out well because we'd have to make them really thin. We had to make them really watery so we can make crepes because we didn't understand the concept of heat control, right? If you want to make something fluffy, you got to keep it. You're low such heat. a, like, okay, yeah, keep going. You're so. But this, this is what I'm, every, okay, yeah, I know. This is what I'm saying. Like, uh, she was very hands off, and even when I got into trouble at school, she would never get involved. Or like, uh, the neighbors, she'd be like, "That's not my kid." I'm were you a trouble? <laughs> were you a troublemaker in school? Like, what were you like in school, actually? Uh, in school, initially, I got dropped into preschool extra early. Uh, I guess they were using it as kind of a daycare, but uh, I couldn't speak any English, so I had very weirdly enough I did have friends I don't know how but I did have friends but uh I couldn't speak any English and uh until I was like four or five and uh I remember that being a big thing where I was trying to like fit in all the time uh because I I couldn't and sometimes I would get in trouble because I get really frustrated and uh I feel like I can't communicate with somebody so then uh I wasn't very violent until I think a little bit after that I got I got a, a violent after I kind of integrated a little bit when I went to other schools, like first grade, kindergarten, not kindergarten, but like I think starting grade school, first grade, maybe because like when I was really young and I don't really recall too much, but like just like the frustration, maybe they had like kids picked on me because I was the only Asian person mm. in every class. Right, yeah, um, maybe I did. I don't recall it, but uh, maybe I did. And I remember that like, when I moved into my next school, my grade school, there was like uh, someone who was like a bully. But I'd always be the weird kid that would bully the bully, like almost like prison culture. I went in there. Oh, let's I hear this. Up, this is cool. I beat up the bully. Like the first thing nice. I did was beat up the bully. And it might have, I'm not sure if it was really a, an attempt to get people to like me. I think I realized that if I did, once I did that, people did like me. Mm. But what it was was that like they were, I could see that they were picking on other people and they were also, uh, even if they weren't necessarily picking on me, I could, I, I almost like I felt, I could, I could feel the empathy for the other people that they're picking on. So at some point, like when the teacher would walk out the room, I don't know, it became a trend because I, I don't have clear memories at that time, mm -hmm. but it became a trend when the, when the teacher, I don't know when I first did it, but when the teacher walked out the room, sometimes I'd pull the kid over the chair and I just threw beating him. I don't even know why I did that. Like I just—it's a Korean rage. It's K rage. <laughs> I just pulled him over the chair. I like, and the thing is, like, at, I think probably when I do it, like, he doesn't even know I'm gonna do it because it's just like he didn't do anything. So I just pulled him over the chair and start beating him with a textbook or whatever I had. And then the weirdest thing was that like uh, one of the kids, his name is Scott. Weirdly enough, he just stood up and he run. He would run over to the door and look out. And basically, he would tell me if the teacher's coming back. <laughs> and so I pulled this guy over a chair. I think the guy's name was Nathaniel. I still don't like the name because uh, that one I remember. He's just a big bully. And, uh, the bitch name. Nathan yeah. or Nathaniel. Yeah. I just Now it just has a bad feeling to mm. me. But uh, I used to pull – I used to almost hit him all the time or like, pick on him. I became the bully. Weirdly enough, I became the bully. But I don't only bully That's the hilarious. guy that was being the bully. <laughs> But I don't think that's really bullying. So I feel no, like it's self-defense, but I, yeah, okay. But it's not like he was bullying me. It was just like, I just oh, you just because everyone else didn't like, yeah. You're and, mean, uh, but that's cool. Yeah, so what that's are your thoughts? Yeah. What are your thoughts on mean people and nice people? Because I like your theory. The way you explain it is good. Can you explain your thoughts on mean people and nice people? I, I don't know if there's like a, a mean, mean person. 
Or like a competent uh, person. Like, uh, what do you mean? Like, oh, I, uh, that one. I remember now. Yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like, uh, I feel like some people will think that somebody's mean, but I think mean is like sometimes, uh, a value thing. Like mean, uh, some people come off as mean because they're trying to keep people at bay because I think that mean people might not be what you think they are. They might be actually more nice than, than anything else. It, if it's later on in their life, it might be that they're mean because they're trying to keep you at bay because a lot of times some of these people are uh, converted sympathetics, empathetics. So they, they mm. used to be empathetic people, but they realize that they can't keep everyone because I want to mm. collect, like for me, I feel like I'm that way where I want to collect everyone as my friend and take care of them. But I realize that not everyone, and and because I have limited resources and time right. and stuff, I, I, not everyone I can take care of. So I almost try to push everyone away initially, but if they keep coming back and they actually end up becoming my friend, of course I'll take care of them. Mm. My friends will, I think most of my friends, if they're really my friends, they'll pretty much, uh, they'll back me anytime, even when I'm wrong because mm -hmm. they know that I care. But uh, initially I kind of come off as mean because I try to keep everyone at bay. And I think it's a value thing. It's like it, someone who has a lot of value or has, their time is important, they might kind of keep pushing you away because they're trying to keep uh, a separation and they're trying not to get emotionally attached to you. Mm. Whereas someone who's like really nice, someone really nice all the time, usually if you see someone that's really nice, a lot of times they don't really end up becoming like your, your best friend because like they don't usually ha have a lot to offer. Sometimes they have to, they're nice because they have to be nice, right? They don't, mm. they someone who's a dependent like a child has to be nice to their parent otherwise parent goes you know what i don't like you and i control everything about your life so you know like you have to be nice to your boss do you want to be nice to your boss is a different thing uh your boss doesn't have to be nice to you because he's your boss uh it's good sometimes and sometimes people are nice to each other because they derive benefit you know, i i might own you or be your boss but uh I might want to be nice to you so that you work a little bit harder for me or you don't get as much resistance to keep the atmosphere. But it is a, kind of like a thing that's like a more of a tool. Nice nice is more of a tool uh, than maybe uh, the only person that will really know if someone's nice or mean is probably the individual themselves, right? You know if you're doing it because you're trying to get your something, uh, get something, get an angle, or you'll know if you're doing it just because you just feel like it. I feel like for me, I actually just feel like when I, when I see someone getting made fun of or I see somebody like in pain, I feel it. And so I walk away a lot of times because I just have to. I have to get myself out of the situation. But it's it's such a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if I help, I don't want to help because it's like, ah, it's going to take so much time. I have other things to do. But then if I do, if I walk away, I almost feel pain because I'm like, I, I could have just helped. Like, and a lot of times I find myself helping if if I possibly can or if I don't have something else to get to because and someone goes, why do you do that? You don't have to help, you know? And I said, well, for me, I just, I feel bad if I don't help and if I, or if I do help, if it's something quick, I can help really easily. Let me just help so that like, that way I don't stay up at night thinking about it, you know, like, fuck, mm -hmm. I should have helped. But. Yeah, that's such a great explanation. I'm really glad you said it because you said like nicest is like a tool and not actual value and i think that summarizes why like girls don't like nice guys because it's like you have nothing to offer right like if something like somebody tries to invade you like tries to kill your family the nice guy is going to be like oh i don't know what to do right but the mean guy he has claws but he can retract it so i feel like 
that's a really good what, whatever you said it's really good i feel like yeah, you should record your live streams because it's so good that's why i'm doing this with you because i feel like other people should know how smart you are but that's a really good explanation oh uh, thanks yeah mm -hmm. yeah i think it's a tool i think uh being able to be mean is a tool it's it actually if you can't be mean that's the weirdest thing that's that's not someone you want to be with if they don't have a uh, survival tool. I mean, yeah. it's not a nice world out there. They, yeah, because they're a child, to, basically. Yeah, you have to take care of them instead of like them taking care of themselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I don't. All right. So, um, yeah. what's been your dating experience? Dating experience. I started off like everyone else does. You get your first. Uh, some people get super lucky. They win the lottery. They they hit the right person right off the bat. I think for the most of us, we're not. You know, 98%, 99%, maybe more of us, usually we get a bad dating experience initially because we, you know, we got Disney feeding us ideas of how relationships should be. I remember I stayed in way too long for my initial one because it's like, no, it's got to work out. Band's going to make it. Like, you know, they never break up in these Disney movies. And you know, we're just going through some tough times. So sometimes you just kind of let go. <laughs> no one to let go. Uh, some costs, so you got to let it go. But, um, that happens sometimes. Uh, but initially, I think I had one that, you know, uh, we're kids. I think the girl, I met the girl at church. She was, she, she was way more advanced than I was. She was younger than me by a year or so. But, like, I didn't know anything. I was, like, an How innocent old you guys? little kid. I was 16, maybe. Oh, then, 16, okay. 15, okay. 16, yeah. Okay. But she, she was, uh, she, she did a lot of physical stuff. She did, like, the kissing and almost every i mean like the the thing was like did the kissing the touching no no like no going all the way because i was you know like it's your kid in church and you're not supposed to but almost everything else she did and i was like well that's crazy but also she just kind of like you know she's a kid she doesn't really know what she wants she wasn't very loyal that was the problem she just kind of like was doing that with everybody and you know it's a difficult thing we're trying to get it to, to work out but uh, at some point, I'd have to be like, you know, enough is enough, you know. Everyone's got that thing where they're cheating on someone that's like a friend, brother, sister, or something. Like that. It's just really close to home, and you're like, I don't want you to, you know, someone, cheating's already bad, but, you know, the closer it gets to your house, or, you know, the closer the person is to your best friend or something, it starts getting too much, and at some point, I just had to let go. After that, I feel like it set the tone. I felt like I lost a lot of trust then and uh That's fair. in general yeah, makes sense mm -hmm. yeah i've been picking and the weird thing is that i think i pick like most of us i think we pick the same person over and over again because the thing is we like meet them the same way or like you know when mm -hmm. you go into a relationship there's only that first relationship that you really have experience with and you're like oh this is how i used to act see so you, you kind of act the same way it's almost like when you see your old friend and you used to you know you, you see your middle yeah, you school go friend. back yeah you go back yeah you go back yeah, yeah, and you yeah. go back and i feel like it 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 kind of sets the tone for everything to come i made significant changes like on purpose uh later on i've been doing uh just trying different things like refusing to satisfy my instinctual response sometimes just the you know the scientist and just hey what if i do this instead what if I be mm -hmm. mean instead of nice? Or what if I choose a girl that I don't like? Like, you know, like maybe I don't physically like her, but mm -hmm. let's just go with it. Let's go on this date. Let's not put any filters. Let's do a randomized trial. Randomized might be better, especially if your initial dating experiences have been bad. Maybe a random trial is better than uh, you allowing your, you know, kind of like your biases to 
uh, get in the way. And so I eh, had an interesting one. I, in general, I don't. I think that if something's going to be working out, like if you think a relationship will work out, I think it will work out, Kyle. Uh, I think that you don't need to make it exclusive or anything like that. I, I like to, uh, maybe it's like a capitalistic view, but I like to keep it totally open. I, I'm not saying I do, I want my girlfriend to cheat or I want my significant or the one person I like. It's not that I want them to cheat like that. I just like it because... Uh, like freedom? I don't like you, you, you don't have to be you know, restricted? Yeah, I understand. Yeah, like, uh, like, uh, and 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 sex and and love. I think they're totally they overlap to some mm-hmm. extent, but they right they're they're separate. obviously different yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you can love someone. I mean, your parents love you. They don't necessarily have sex with you. I mean, if they do, gotta <laughs> call, gotta call somebody. Gotta <laughs> 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 call somebody. Um, but, what was the question? <laughs> Don't have sex with your parents. Um. Yeah, don't have sex with your parents <laughs> is, the, is the answer. But uh, the oh question. Oh my god! Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> lost track. Lost track. Oh, dating. Yeah, what has been your dating experience? <laughs> yeah, my dating <laughs> experience. So, like, do you is, feel? Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no, go go for it. Uh, you got like, direct. Okay, because I okay, I'm from a woman's perspective, right? So obviously, you're very yeah. successful, very good looking. You're young. Do you feel like you don't really need to, what did I say? You don't really need monogamy because women kind of come to you or do you feel like you try to search, but you're so jaded that you don't really want to label? Do you, does that make sense? Uh, I see. I see what you're saying. I see yeah. uh, kind of like you're saying, oh, because well, you're not dying, people, like, right? You're not dying. You don't to... have to be married. Yeah. You don't have this urge yeah. to like go, maybe it's to cling on or yeah, like, yeah, I exactly. have to, yeah, yeah, I got to yeah. keep them away. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that, that could, you're probably right. That, that probably is probably insightful that that might be part of it. But I think that, uh, so, so the logical part of me that says that, that I, I shouldn't do this, not necessarily monogamy because I, I do want that to be a thing, but uh, this exclusivity thing, I don't like, especially in the early on in the dating stages, because I think the curiosity can really crush a relationship later. And I, I really mm. want it to be like a free market kind of thing. It's like, right. Hey, right. You Cause you don't want to choose a wrong yeah. person. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I want, and I want them to explore cause a lot of times uh, I'm a guy. So I, I generally, you know, generally guys go for girls that are slightly younger than them. I the experiences generally kind of line up because girls usually start a little bit younger and guys mm-hmm. start a little bit later. Not always, but this is kind of generalities. But uh, in general, I don't want, especially if the girl's a lot younger than me. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a you know, four, five, six, eight year gap. Then I don't want them. I don't want to be like, yeah, you're totally exclusive and bound to me, and that might make them feel trapped. I want them to, for me, above all anything. Uh, anything I can do uh, above the sex part, the, the physical mm-hmm. attractive part. Exactly. I think that the choice is the, the biggest, uh, it's like, it's the biggest gratification that I get on a daily basis. If someone chooses to be with you on a daily basis, regardless of the rules, the rules say that you can leave me at any time. You can take any home, any guy home in this bar, but yet, and I, and, and I, not just the rules have to say it, that my expression and the way I treat them has to say that. So like, if they go home with somebody else, I can't be sore about it later. I have to be okay with it. And my point is, uh, by doing it this way, you know that you're winning every time. This is a choice. This is not 
Did you get cut off? I think you got. Okay, you're back. Hold on. Oh yeah, this is not some sort of rule that's keeping us together, right? This right, is right, uh, right. yeah, because this you is choose by choice. like love is like a cho- okay, that makes sense. So yeah, and I want like that choice to be every day. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So do you feel like it's because like you went through so much medical school, like you just sacrificed so much of partying, now you're in this concentrated burst where you want to have as much fun as possible? Do you feel like that's a There's that that's a little part of that. I think a lot of it I did burn through some of that, that that two year phase after you get your uh degree and you get your job and all of a sudden you finally have a a time to explore right, and have exactly. your finances. I met so many like younger doctors and they're like so awkward, but I know they're ready to just like, it's like they're fresh out of jail. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah they're, it's, they're ready. That's like a college yeah, kid. Yeah, uh, yeah. You see here, if he's only been practicing for one or two years, that's like usually a college kid. He's, he's out. He wants to see yeah, what he can do now. Uh, what yeah. kind of damage can we do? Uh, but uh, that, that plays a role in it. I remember going to a wedding, when uh, we just got out of school, it was like a year after school, and I remember the do- the docs tables. They had a couple of doc tables, and uh, we had a couple of just like, uh, just, you had the, the artist tables, and just like, because it was a high school, his, uh, my friend's high school friends and his professional, like graduate school friends, so mm-hmm. he, he was a dentist, and he had doctors, and then, and comparing the two, and they're about the same age, because, you know, it's an academic age, but comparing the two the doc table came ready to play every time and actually we had someone come over who was like a he's like a dancer or a break dancer for uh some of these like uh like uh i don't know some of these it is famous but i i don't know a lot about it but he came over and he's like who are you guys you guys come here loaded and ready to party to every event like uh, we're like oh we're uh we're ryan's uh dental school friends They're like Wait, is that all? Like, is it a medical school and dental school? And he's like, yeah, this is all medical and dental school. These both these tables, both these tables are. And I go, yeah. He goes, you guys are crazy. They show up all the time, They're like just insane. And he goes, he goes, that's the future of our healthcare. And I go, uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got a drink that's in their hilarious. hand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can take a shot or. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Man, that's hilarious. Okay, now the real questions. Why I really brought you to this podcast? Okay, which type of doctor should I date? Uh, uh my mine is anesthesiologist. <laughs> okay, right? why? Anyway. What is that for people who don't know? That's the uh, that's a doc that preps you when you need to go to sleep for any kind of surgical procedures. Uh, he's the one who like tells you to count backwards. I think uh, in general, I think the hard one of the hardest parts about. Uh, uh, being a doctor is patient management. Assuming that you're a good doctor and you know your stuff, hardest part is patient management. And anesthesiologists, this is the patient management part. Hey, uh, tomorrow I'm going to put you to sleep, okay? And that's all you're going to see about <laughs> me. And they might not even remember. They might, <laughs> half the time they don't even remember the guy who that, that, right, that put right, them right. to yeah, sleep. That's, that's true. It's, it's count backwards from 10, and you get through two numbers, you're out like a light you just gone and yeah it's it's pretty i'm not saying it's never stressful but now with the computers and stuff like you can have multiple people put, put to sleep and and the, the computers are monitoring everything and and you get an alarm when something's going wrong and that way you're notified to go to that room in general generally if they're not medically compromised this is uh this is an easy job uh 
easy it's hard to get there but because complications you're always preparing for the worst but in general on a day-to-day basis it would be a relatively easy job i'm getting this information from my dad's friend who's an anesthesiologist like i don't know how you guys do it he goes patient is awake when you're doing dentistry that's crazy (laughs) crazy insane he goes you guys don't get paid enough (laughs) He he goes because for him, he's like, this is a good job because you just go to, you know, put him out. He's like, I can kind of just relax. He, there, he doesn't have to be really formal. You know, you can switch into, you can switch into sweatpants for, for anyone else here. <laughs> They're not going to remember because the anesthesiologist, they put you to sleep. You got an amnesiatic part as well as the sleep part. So when you lose consciousness, even if you did have some consciousness left in you, they, they put the, uh, they put the, a lot of the drugs have an amnesiatic effect. So even if you were awake, and you were responding, you free. If you don't remember, it didn't happen, basically. So you just go, I, he like, you remember that time you were talking to me? You don't remember. Oh my God. They also make really good money. So they make good money, should be a relatively low stress job. Uh, they can knock out many patients all at once. They're usually scheduled ahead of time. It's not like you're putting someone to sleep, but emer- emergency, I put this person to sleep. <laughs> And they got the good drugs. They can hook you up. Hey, I'm having trouble sleeping. No problem. <laughs> no problem. That's hilarious. Um, where do I find them? Do I have to go to medical conferences? Like, how do I enter into that world? Uh, I guess there's there's equipment, so you could go into sales of that sort of thing. Ah, sales, uh, right? Taking notes. I know there's <laughs> sales. Uh, they have an uh, anesthesiologist uh, equipment sales or. I'm sure they, everyone's got conferences. See, those conferences are usually open to most people. You can walk in. And I think if it's, if you're not related in any facility at all, I think you can still buy tickets to a lot of these conferences. Okay. This is my, okay. This is my strategy, Daniel. I'm going to become a stand-up comedian for corporate and hospitals. And I'm going to be a speaker and I'm going to get them. Ah. That's my strategy. Yeah. Yeah. See you. We'll see how that bring works. them in. Right? This podcast too. So I can show oh I'm like a real like I care about people, you know, I'm like interviewing yeah. people but not <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to get mine. <laughs> Where can I find Where can I find my out? Alright, so any other specialties? What do you think about radiologists and pathologists in terms of like autism level? Uh yeah, so all these guys are behind the scenes guys and the systems okay. part. And I remember, uh, so radiologists, you know, they read x-rays, pathologists generally combined with radiology, uh, they look at x-rays or they look at tissue samples and see what the problem is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can be done in a behind the scenes setting. Generally, those people are not very social because that's what they, they, they chose that profession to get away from the patient. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's almost like uh, in a big business, uh, usually the feared side is the client side, the client facing side, because you're mm-hmm. the face of the company. They they don't know anything about your industry. They're yelling at you. Ah, I don't deserve this kind of abuse. <laughs> <laughs> so you try to get yourself retreat. retreat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And that way someone else gets yelled at and you're in the back and you're like, I don't know why they yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> Even That's though hilarious. you're the one who made the mistake. You're like, I made the mistake. I'm just <laughs> What about the social? What are the most social doctors? I think the social doctors, I would say, are probably your primary cares. I don't know if they want to be social, but they have. They're to see forced everyone. to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're forced to be. They're gonna see everyone. They get 
involved in your family. They see your kids, your kids. Yeah, kids. yeah, that's it, yeah. What about surgeons? What about surgeons? Surgeons, uh, I, there's two types. I feel like there's at least two types of surgeons. I always see more types. So there's one who's just like climbing. They want to get involved. They want to be the serious guy. They want to go fix stuff. There's that guy. Uh, of course, there's always just the guy who's doing because he wants to get, uh, he wants to get paid. But uh, it it seems like a glamorous profession. But uh, this is the area where you might run into the kind of guy who might be a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit narcissistic, a little bit, you know, the god complex kind of doctor. You think you guys, you docs think you know everything. Hey man, I just resuscitate that guy. That guy was dead for twenty minutes, and I just resuscitated him. I mean, I kind of, kind of a big deal. <laughs> I appreciate your code today because usually you're like naked on your yeah, live stream. Yeah, usually I'm getting ready for the gym, which I, you know, mm -hmm. naked or I'm switching clothes. Uh, yeah, doctor Mo, bro Mo, you know, bro. You're bro, broker, broctor, is that? Bro, broker. <laughs> bro, uh, bro. <laughs> That's weird. I don't, um, yeah, I don't like that. It's but um, uh, all right, let's let's hear some dental jokes. Dental jokes. Uh, I don't have a lot of dental jokes. I know that the ones that are the ones there's always because I, I think one of the patients got me onto it, uh, or I, I was standing in line in at a bar. This is the first time I ever heard like a really weird joke. Uh, I was standing in line at a bar in Boston, getting ready to go in in the seaport area, and uh, there was just this hammered girl just absolutely trashed in line with me and she she went and she said hey hey she kept touching me i didn't know i thought she was like talking to her friend she kept touching me i looked back and i was like yeah hey let's get out and she's like hey who are you uh daniel uh are you are you a dentist or she's like what do you do are you uh, i was like i'm a dentist and then she goes oh okay she's like oh, i like this she's like hey can you like give me a feeling I was just like, what? Uh, do you have like cavities or something? And she's like, no. Like tonight, can you like give me a filling? Can we like the drilling and filling? Isn't that what you guys do? You have any white white fillings for me? I was like, whoa. And I and then it took me a while because I just kept thinking that she had a cavity because you know I'm. <laughs> You're actually I'm, yeah yeah okay. Do yeah. you have a cavity? And she's like, oh, I got some cavities. And I was just like. Yeah, you, you should like. Here's my here's my student doctor card. <laughs> <Here's> my student. <laughs> Which is good because I gave her at least the contact information, a point of contact. But I had no idea. But I uh, now I know. So there's a lot of those dirty jokes, the drilling, mm -hmm. filling, cavities, right, right, right. white fillings, uh, oral jokes, like a lot of. Or are you gonna give me oral exam or something like that? But uh, there's a couple. Um, there's a couple of the easy ones. I think like Vin, one of my friends, he was saying like he goes, "Hey, what?" What's Dennis' favorite time or something? Two thirty, tooth hurty. Uh, yeah, that uh, one. <laughs> I know, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's the pun. Okay. Uh, okay. So, we got the yeah. Yeah, you got a couple of these like stock ones. Why did the deer uh, need braces? He had buck teeth, you know, because male. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> the family friendly <laughs> that's good well, i mean this is explicit podcast um so it's all no, good. it doesn't matter it's yeah whatever okay so um if you weren't a dentist what would you do 
I said, uh, I would say nothing, nothing at all. But oh, wow. uh, that's the nihilistic part of me, right? That's mm-hmm. like me being like, nothing matters because it is or man, you try to do some good, which I actually believe if you try to do something good, there's a, a backlash of bad that comes with it. Like if you go, uh, like you, you know, there's like this thing where if you donate food to a certain country all the time, then they're, they might never develop their agricultural base because right, they're counting right. on your food. But my point is there's always a good thing, there's a bad thing to every part you do the good thing the bad thing kind of occurs but uh i would say if i was being a little bit more serious i i would say i probably want to be a teacher because they have the easiest job no i'm just kidding i don't want to bash teachers but uh i i like being a teacher because i think um i think that's where uh, that's where it's needed i mean like if you really want to make a change in the world you're gonna you have to shape a lot of young minds and mm-hmm. i think that that's the most important thing i i think it's overstated but I mean, I, th- I get the most gratification. I don't find it really hard to be a teacher. I'm not saying it's not hard to be a teacher. Yeah, you're teaching I, us right now. Like, nice. yeah, yeah. I think you do have that professor, like, gene, scientist yeah. gene. Yeah, you. I like it, though. So I, I would, uh, and I think it's, uh, I think that's what's lacking. I think uh, one of the, I am, I'm a big democracy, free market, capitalist person. And um I would say that the most important thing is that you need to have really educate. If if your population is making the decision that they're voting, we're in a voting you know country. So if your voters are uninformed or they're not smart and they're not being taught properly to think open mindedly, then you're gonna you're gonna ruin. You can run a democracy into the ground. The democracy is built on that the 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 individuals in your democracy are relatively educated. And I don't know, you know, I don't want to be like negative, you know, Nelly or something, but I question even, even in the States, we're, we're, we're pretty highly educated compared to a lot of countries, but uh, even, uh, we got ways to go, definitely have ways to go. And I think that's probably where I, you know, I think I can make a, a bigger influence than maybe, you know, treating one mouth at a time here. Mm-hmm. So, Which is, so, so like, what do you do day to day? Day to day, I usually see patients. Uh, I usually just do the dental grind. I, I have a private practice. Um, but day to day, you know, the, of course, there's management aspect to it, but that doesn't happen day to day. Maybe it's just small decisions, you know, which lab we're using, what, what we're going to charge this patient, what normally goes on here and there. But day to day, I just kind of like one on one with my patients. I don't even double, triple book usually. I usually go you know, generally 30 minutes to an hour with every patient. I talk to them. I do, I'm a big talker. You guys can tell I'm a big talker. I love it. It's so great. I, it's great. Yeah. So I, I chit chat with the patients. I get them comfortable. I talk through, through my whole, almost my whole procedure. Sometimes it's just teaching because I know that that's one of the big pet peeves. I can't respond to the desk when he's talking to me, he keeps asking me questions. I don't ask questions. I usually tell him, no, we're doing this part. I, I just go step by step for the procedure. And I might talk about my industry, secrets of the industry, uh, why some dentists don't do their own cleanings. Like, you know, the financial aspects that a lot of dentists kind of shy away from. I kind of like tell them. That way it's kind of like rapport building. And I, and I generally am being honest. And I, I honestly set up this practice uh, more geared towards like a good quality dental experience with more barbershop vibes than like a factory kind of thing. I'm not just here trying to like, I'm not like a, I do have like a business minor kind of, but I'm not here to like 
optimize profit. This is far from that. It's just a better dental experience with like a little less stress. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you go see your hairdresser and you talk and, right. and you get familiar with the person. I'm sure, of course, I can cut the conversation down by half and just do my procedure, get in, get out, or get a hygienist, do your clean, teeth cleaning so I don't have to see you so I can do, you know, more expensive procedures. But that's that's not the vibe I'm going for here. This is more, you know, a good dental experience, a uh, kind of hobby thing uh, that I'm doing. Uh, I've mostly learned that from my dad. It, it might even be a bad habit because, I mean, this is a career. Maybe I should be focusing a little bit more on the finances. <laughs> But uh, I, I took it from my dad. My dad, my 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 dad's dad, who my grandfather was a physician, and they always just kind of treated one patient at a time. And they said, "Don't worry." I mean, they're kind of the religious type, especially my grandfather. He would he was like, "Just don't worry." He goes, "If you do the right thing, the right thing will eventually reward you. Just take it one person at a time." And he goes, "Don't worry. The money will be there if you're a good dentist or a good doctor. The money will come." Uh, that's not entirely true. We know that in the business world, but. Uh, but I get what you mean. And, and I do yeah. want to say this and, 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 and that because you actually do care. Like people do text you like dental questions and you actually answer. Oh, them. yeah. So, yeah, okay. I got <laughs> I You wouldn't believe the pictures I have on my phone. It's just a bunch of mouths. Hey, is this look okay <laughs> to you? Uh, that one's blurry. Send one again. Uh, but I do. Yeah. With my patients, they have my direct cell phone. And I, I, I prefer that. I just, I, I want to be informed. I want to know what's coming in tomorrow. I want to know mm. if there's a problem. I want to know right away. It And sometimes like, I don't, I hate that. I don't want that to be part of my life. I understand. But I will say that it's not just one benefit because the thing is, as soon as something happens, I get the clearest information. If I mess up or something or something didn't go totally well, I can improve my skill next time because I'm getting the feedback right away. Instead of asking a week later, how did that feel? How was that feeling an hour later? You, know, you don't remember that well. What did it look like? I want to know right away. I'm getting, I'm learning just as much. And I think that uh, people that don't get the information right away, they're, they're missing out on some information they could be getting. Cause the doctors usually are like, man, I wouldn't do that. That sucks. Huh? They're not paying me. I don't have time for that kind of thing. Which I, I understand totally. It, it does consume that life. Is, your, your your life does get consumed by your work. But uh, I I, uh, I I do think there's a lot of value in it. So I, I I keep it that way. Sometimes it can be annoying, but uh, in general, I would say that it's very rare that one of my patients uh, abuses that uh, cell phone thing. Uh, that mm -hmm. cell phone connection usually. They're very apologetic if they need to schedule an appointment. I can't reach the front desk or something. I'm sorry, but I know this isn't your job, but can I do this? But that's, it's very rare that they use it for something weird like that. That's awesome. Uh, generally all emergencies. Mm -hmm. Right. So, wow, we're, we're, this is awesome. We're running way over time, but are you okay with your time? <laughs> I just... Yeah. I'm okay. I'm totally You're okay. Okay. Because okay. there's so many questions. So what would be like a nightmare girlfriend to have? nightmare girlfriend time baby it's time time still i would say time is the only resource that we are actually buying bound to right we can't get that back money sure you can a lot of people think that money is a thing but it's not really money you can have a money draining girlfriend but here's the thing if you live forever you will even making a dollar a day you will eventually become rich uh but time i think a, a needy not that spending time is the worst <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> if it is, you should reevaluate the yeah. girlfriend or your boyfriend. <laughs> right. But uh, 
spending a lot of time. Time is really important to everybody. And uh, I think that even the girlfriend or boyfriend, your significant other should know that, you know, although you guys are together, I mean, you guys are also individuals and right. you guys need your own time and, you know, your own space. You can't, I know that that's a kind of a cliche thing, you know, now you guys are becoming one, but let's not completely become one because we are two different individuals right, coming sure. together. We're, sure. we're definitely a team. And in that sense, we're one, but we, we definitely need our own space and our own things to breathe. We don't have to have exactly the same interests. I feel like a lot of times... Actually, it's better like, no, when you don't. Yeah, when you're in completely different fields and have completely different interests, sometimes it works better. Yeah, sometimes it works better. You come back. And if you get to, you know, you get to have time off for me or I get a lot of time off from you, and we come back together, usually if we're both feeling happy with whatever we did that day, we'll have a good, pleasant experience. Otherwise, we feel like we're kind of holding each other back. You kind of feel like you're stuck in the mud feeling. You want that. You want, you want to make sure that there's time for each other. I think that that's one of the big keys. And I think one of the big, the other biggest key for the relationship is that you have similar values, like world outlook. What do you want to accomplish? Or what do you value more than the other thing? I think those two together, the time, like giving each other space and having like a similar values, like what your similar directions in life. I think that is probably the two keys I, as far as I've come across, I think that like, you know, as, it might change as I learn more, mm-hmm. but those seem to be the two most essential ingredients, I think for a long-term relationship. Think, when you uh, say, space in that. Yeah. When you say needy with time, like how much time do you feel like is, is it the attitude that she approaches it with it? Or do you feel like it's, okay, we spend like an hour a day and like, that's it. Or like, how do you, is it a feeling no, I that she's needy? Yeah. Or is it like an actual time suck or both? It can be both. I think it could be like emotionally needy. It can be time needy. It can be just like verbally, verbal reinforcement needy. And everyone's a little different. And right, I think that right. there's this weird thing called like, I just, I just figured it out about not too long ago. It was like love language. What's your love language? Mm-hmm. Some people mm-hmm. do like acts of kindness or something like this. Right, right. I, I didn't know what that meant. I looked it up initially. And, and for me, it's like, for me, it's touch. So like I, I usually, and I always say I'm nicer in person. And I finally figured out what that meant is because like I say a lot of mean things. And like, usually if you say something sweet to me, I don't know how to respond. I, I, I a bad response, I, Haha, you know, awkward laugh or yeah not as much as me or you or something. I get bad responses, but I think that like a lot of times, you know, like a hug for me or like a bat on the back, a massage at the end of the day, that kind of thing is kind of like how I express that I still care, right? Whereas some people, they need that constant verbal. And I realized that that can get in the way a lot of times because that, that some people, they just need that verbal thing. And they need you to text them every day. Hey, I love you. Hey, good morning. I am. I am bad about it. And I, I, th- I think if you need that kind of thing, uh, I can't do it. It's just not me. That makes and, sense. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. So I guess uh, someone like that needs to be with someone who with, yeah. does that. Mm-hmm. Because if that's exactly what you need and you can't figure any way around it and you don't understand like the touch aspect or uh, some other love language that's, that doesn't really do it for you, what can, what can you do? Because that's, I mean, that's how I express it. And I, I always think that I need to be in front of somebody so I can kind of like express it. I can hug. I can like kind of like show them my eye con- contact or whatever it is that I can uh, do for them physically. But I, uh, the verbal stuff, not, not great. Uh, I used to talk about that thing. I think, I'm not sure if you heard me say it, but I, 
I used to joke with Vin. I go, I don't get it. I don't understand this uh, this phone sex thing. I go, I, I, I giggle like a schoolgirl. I can't do it. I had someone try to do it with me one time. She's like, all right, just sit down. She's like, don't worry. I'm good at it. I'll tell you how this goes. And it's always like, I'm not, maybe I'm just like a bad verbalizer, but she's like, okay, now, now what are you thinking now? What are you doing now? I'm like, uh, I'm sitting on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, she's like, yeah, you should touch yourself. I'm like, uh, yeah, but it's like, it's really not working. She's like, just like make up, just say it is. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> and oh then she'll God. say stuff and I always laugh. So uh, <laughs> it's not to work out. Oh my god! Did you pay for it, or like somebody just offered no, you? No, it was it was a girlfriend of mine. We we had we we tried to do long distance for a little bit. Oh my god! She was in Boston, and she was like, "Okay, let me let me do this for you." And just like, "Hey, this is not gonna work. It's not working." Mm, She's like, "Stop yeah. laughing! Stop laughing!" Oh my god! That was it. You, I think but you ruined phone sex for many people who are listening. But, <laughs> yeah. oh, whatever. Whatever. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, so, <laughs> what qualities would you look for in a man if you were a woman? Ah, uh, that one's unique. I think that I, I don't know if it's uniquely a girl thing. Like, uh, if I'm looking for a certain man, I'm gonna try to answer it that way. I think girls they're always. Uh, I guess like uh, I I don't see I I can understand why girls like the physical aspect of it. They're like, okay, yeah, this guy's muscular or he's tall because those are those are like you know phenotypic like you know it's expressed that the guy's like usually more muscular a little bit leaner a little bit stronger a little bit bigger so i i see that but i think in general as a girl um or just as a person looking for somebody it's not really uh i think after you get over that thing because you know when you're inexperienced you think it's something to do with a physical expression like you think maybe it's a height thing maybe it's like a muscular build thing and maybe you even think it's a finance thing but of course if your finances are totally shot and you you're searching through garbage cans for food that kind of thing then of course you need someone who can financially back you but in general if you and I, I don't think that I think honestly that an individual should be self-sufficient or an individual by themselves. You should be self-sustaining by yourself before you find a partner because otherwise you you're gonna have to make so many compromises. Because if you just need money, then you're gonna have to find someone who has money, right? And especially if you need a lot of it, you have to find someone that has money. But I'm saying if you're a self-sufficient person, barring any kind of like dire needs of something that you like you absolutely have to have, I think in general you'd have to. Uh, I would, I, I think that the more mature way to do it is to uh, kind of like look at the all encompassing, you know, personality that we always talk about. But uh, I think, uh, I think my, the best thing I have that I can offer is that friends, someone who feels like a best friend. And that's kind of also cliche, but I don't know if butterflies in the stomach, I know a lot of girls say that, like, I, I know that I'm not attracted to them because I don't have butterflies in my stomach. I don't know if that's real attraction because I mean, at some point, butterflies in the stomach is going to go away. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that basically, when you look back on your life and you look at your relationships, I think the ones that tend to stick around are friends. And I think friendship is what you'd be looking for. I think the, the best friend kind of feel to it where you can be silly, you can be funny, you don't feel like you have to talk all the time, you don't feel the butterflies because you don't. 
because the butterflies means that you kind of have a kind of an exhilarating kind of like nervousness. Right. It's unsustainable. You feel nervous all the time. You wait. You're gonna be nervous all the time around your husband or your or your or your, or your spouse. Like that's crazy. Yet I. I that's I mean, not what it's supposed to be like. What? <laughs> yeah. What? Or if you're crying all the time. Yeah, like, like what? That's not supposed to be, right? He's not supposed to hurt me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not supposed to hit me? Wait. Oh, man. I'm not supposed to walk on eggshells all the time? Why? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, interesting. So, like, uh, shit, where's my thing? Oh, so what do you think about live streaming? Because, like, that's kind of how people know you as, but, like, what are your thoughts on it? I like live streaming. Uh, maybe it's just like me being like a super traditional Asian, you know, culture instilled by my parents, but I don't think it's like a real thing. I, I guess it can be lucrative. Some people make a living off it, maybe a good living. Uh, for me, I like it because it's like a, a hobby. Yeah, it's a hobby. People that tune in. I like talking. I like to say things. I like this more than just live streaming. I like this interaction, the back and forth. I like that way better. So if it's like live stream where people can come on, like a radio show, that would be really cool. My my friend used to say that. My friend Eric that I used to go uh, to school with, uh, I think he's doing oral surgery now. But uh, he used to be like, I want to be a radio show host. And uh, he actually talking to him, he, he gave me a lot of ideas and the way he talked. And he's a silly person too. He's a really funny person. Uh, I... I like his personality. He's a great storyteller. Uh, I, I try to be as good of a, as a storyteller as he is, but uh, he's got a lot of practice. He used to do some uh, broadcasting in his college, uh, uh, radio broadcast, but I, I like it. I, I think it's a really good hobby. I just feel like uh, if you're going to make it a career thing, I might, it might take the fun. I worry that it might take the fun out of it uh, where I can kind of just go on and just kind of do it casually, kind of meet other people, kind of, you know, say stuff sometimes like you know your online persona you can say some stuff just to rile people up and see what their emotions are i i i to be honest there's half the things i might say might not even be real truths and sometimes <laughs> i'm just there to what to see yeah what yeah, does she yeah, say what yeah, will yeah. he say what she, will yeah. she how will they respond uh, a little bit socio sociopathic right just just kind of poking at the cuts and stuff, poking at the seams, see what happens. So, but I, I like it. I, I do like it. Um, um, I do like the broadcasting thing. It's 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 nice. Uh, live streaming. Uh, I certainly cater to a certain crowd. I don't know. You know, no obviously way. there's no. Way. You know, there's, yeah, there's. <laughs> 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 some people want totally silly. Some people want you know. Some people want sexual something, but. Uh, but you you give them all like when they tell you to take off your clothes you do so like you know you're oh uh, yeah pretty, i like uh, to try to cater yeah. to the fans right yeah as much you as do you do for sure yeah. ah so um what are some funny patient stories you said you made some notes and i really want to know now yelling patient oh, radiology yeah. what <laughs> uh one of the, the one of the weirdest ones was the patient that i had in radiology and that's one because I, I never knew that it was going to be like this but uh I didn't realize that people got so like graphic. This this lady uh, inner city, all all medical not all of them, but basically most of all medical and dental schools are in inner city, where there's a kind of a poor population that needs needs a lot of help, needs a lot of services. But anyways, I had this she most likely was doing a lot of drugs and blowing out her teeth because of it. 
but she was in there and she's like, I can't take x-rays. And in a radiology rotation, you have to take x-rays. And she is just like, she was saying all sorts of filth. And I was like looking around at my professors, like trying to see what they're going to respond to her by. And she just couldn't control uh, what she was going to say. Like you, She's just saying all sorts of stuff. She's like, I can't take big things in my mouth, blah, blah, blah. She's saying all this stuff, like alluding to a lot of oral sexual stuff, oral sex stuff. And I was just like, oh, my God. And here's me trying to put the sensor in there. Like, just hold still. She's like, I can't do it. She's, and she's like, I'm not a gag. She goes, she, she, and after, somehow we got a couple x-rays enough that it was satisfactory. And we are trying to get her out of there. And she was like, my boyfriend, she goes, my boyfriend would be proud. Can I, can I have those x-rays so I can send them to my boyfriend and tell him that I get the, that sensor in my mouth or something like that? And I was like, wow, this is, this is ridiculous. There's some other ones where the, a lot of them, not so much like ha-ha funny, more funny in the way that I was like highly uncomfortable. I just, uh, the other one that's going to raise a whole bunch of questions that I probably don't want to feel. <laughs> yeah, place, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a transgender patient that had HIV positive as well as other drugs. And during my rotation, I have to disclose that information to my attendant. This guy is directly overseeing your procedure. He needs to know. Okay. And I'm a student doc, so I have to report. The guy walks into the room and I report, I go, this uh, female is on, and I'm trying to, is on test uh is on estrogen and stuff like that and i'm trying to sh- tell him like yeah and at some point i got to hiv positive and i, I think the story of the backstory from this patient was that she, she uh she left miami because like she that that I, they have a small community there and i guess they kind of like something happened and outcasted and ended up in boston but he goes what she goes what and she sort of yells at the uh the attending or she yells at me and says you can't disclose that information i don't know who that guy is and like you're breaking hipaa and she's you're violating all these things and the thing was that there was a couple people in there uh she's getting some teeth removed and there's a periodontist in there uh and there's a prosthodontist who's a restorer who puts the piece periodontist is a gum uh gum specialist uh prosthodontist is a specialist in replacing the missing parts teeth or whatever uh, body parts and the oral surgeon is uh i i'm doing my oral surgery residency so i'm taking out the tooth and he's uh overseeing it and so basically the oral surgeon goes like looks at me gives me a look and he's like I'm, i'll handle this and he goes you just step back for a second and he goes okay he goes and he goes around the room he starts poking and uh he starts t- telling everybody uh, what what their specialty is and why they need to be involved and how that they that they will be an essential part of their treatment in the future. And then he like, kind of comes over to me, and I'm a resident and I, I'm I'm acting as the oral surgeon at the time, so technically I'm the oral surgeon there. Uh, so he gets to me and he goes, uh, he goes and uh, he goes and he goes and he goes, you know, uh, Doctor Lee over here. Uh, you know, he's Asian, so you know he knows what he's doing. <laughs> I'm looking, because I don't have, I don't have years and years of, you know, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have that, like, you know, that CV right, everyone right. else has. They have years, you know, these guys are, like, the best in their field. They have their own private clinics. I'm just a student. And then he's, like, trying to talk everyone up. So he, like, looks at me, he goes, yeah, and he's Asian, so you know he's, you know, he's 
knows what he's doing. I look over at the patient. I look at the. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I look at the patient like I'm like worried. I'm like. Yeah. And the patient nods, and I go, "Yep, it's gonna work. <laughs> yep, it's, it's working." It's gonna work. It's working, but that is a as uh, an important community uh, thing. Um, transgender people they get shunned a lot in the hospital mm. because oh, I'm sure, yeah, we don't have long term research. That's I, I just want to bring that up real okay. quick because we don't have a lot of long term research. And uh, I saw on the radio not too long ago that like they were like, oh, these doctors are they're uh, very gender biased or something like that, but. I, uh, just to defend doctors and hospitals for a second is just, I always want to say is like, we don't have a lot of research. So a lot of times you guys do get shuttled around. Like, so the, the, you know, when, when you're doing transgender stuff, you get shuttled around because we're confused about the medications that you're taking because there's a lot of different, like, do, do we get you know, different dosages? We're not really sure how the, how the transition is going to interact with our medications. And uh, in general, we do try to treat it, but it, it's a lot of times out of our territory. There may need to be another group of doctors for that. I don't know. I don't know what that what the future holds for that. But as soon as more long term research comes out, I'm sure that like you know your primary care physicians will be just as good at handling this kind of thing. But uh, I don't really know how some of these like really uh, these uh, I guess the the hormones they put into people. I don't really know exactly how it's going to interact with some of the medications I give either. So in general, for me, I don't have to give like very, you know, interesting medications, usually just painkillers and antibiotics. That's not going to really affect anything. But for other doctors and big surgeries and stuff, uh, it might. So that's, that might be one reason why. But I don't want to get too much into that. That's so. awesome. I'm, thank you for telling us that. That is freaking yeah. hilarious. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Oh, okay. So it, I <laughs> I love it. You are you are good. You are good. So your friend is a better storyteller than you, or what? All right. Uh, yeah, um, we okay, gotta get Eric okay. on here. All right. Um, how can I bamboozle a doctor to date me? Bamboozle them. Uh, academics usually not. Uh, typical experiences that they like usually doctors are nerds, and uh, they're not gonna have a lot of social experience. Not all of them, but a lot of them are. So it's like, I think you can bamboozle them by, uh, you can trap these guys if you just like are really nice to them. You might want to not, now I might not want to pick like, you know, the prettiest doctor in the back. Yeah, I got to go old, fat, and ugly that I, yeah. I know myself. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm not but, even kidding. I'm or serious. someone who's like really shy or like, you yeah, can yeah, tell like, they don't know yeah. anything. They get yeah. show them the rope, say, hey, come here, come with me. Okay. Now, the problem is that this can backfire because then, like, after they get some experience, they might, like, you know, just start right. trying right. Save some stuff else. on Yeah, you. yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, but you can trap them in. It's like if you're the first girlfriend or, like, the first time they ever had sex or you take their virginity or something like that, they'll be like, oh, man, this feels so great. I love this girl. Because the first time, you know that, right? The, the whole thing where you cling on to the first one, like right, right, right. you're never yeah. going to get another yeah, one again. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Maybe that's what you got to find. Maybe, hey, which, which, mm-hmm. which one of these doctors are virgins that have never been with any girls? I got to get <laughs> yeah. their hymen checked. I got to pull a TI, get their hymen <laughs> checked, make sure they're virgin. <laughs> like, all right. Um, okay. What angers you? Uh, I'd say uh, I get frustrated because you already know I'm like very very logical 
and, and the reason why I think I become so logical. So some people almost say like, you know, you don't ever put any value in emotion. You're not emotional at all. You don't put any value into it. The problem is that is that because we have two different value systems with emotional, emotional values change. It can change second to second, you know, you're, you're, your mom dies and all of a sudden you're sad like a second ago you were happy things that if you revert to emotional decision making it doesn't apply to everyone else and it's very difficult for everyone to uh to get on the same page as you and so for me i'm a very logical decision maker i try to pull my emotions come in at the very end of my decision where i go ah they're exactly the same whether I do or I don't, uh, how would I, how would this make me feel? Then I make my decision. But people that are very emotional decision makers, it, it, they generally, they genuinely frustrate me so much, especially when I have to work with them on something serious. It, it frustrates me so much because I, I can't get on the same page. And when I try to explain it all of a sudden, you know, I, I have to be on the defense because it's always like we would you're so inhuman. Like you don't love anything. You don't. And I'm just like, can you, can you stop it? We're, we're just trying, we're trying to make the optimal decision here. Trying to make the optimal decision. And I get attacked. I, I get, I get attacked for what I think is a, my good decision-making process. So you're attacking something that I believe this is me. I truly believe this is the best way. And this is a core piece of me. And when you go, you know, you're a bad person or you're not considering other people's feelings and stuff. I go, it's not that I'm not considering them. I'm using that at the end after we make the, the decision that's the most beneficial one. And, and I always, I lump this, I lump this into stupid people. They're not stupid. They just make it different. Uh, they make a different value judgment, which I consider stupid. Therefore, they are. <laughs> but that uh, sense, that's what yeah. I say. Yeah, but I think everyone will say stupid people frustrate them. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. working with somebody else. Absolutely. So, um, what makes you happy? If anything makes you happy, <laughs> <laughs> nothing makes me happy. Sometimes I, I, okay, <laughs> here's what I say. <laughs> here's what I say. The most flattering thing, which is this, is a weird thing, and it's happened to me a couple times. So I know that it it kind of gives me a little buzz. Yeah. It's alcohol. No, I'm just that's not alcohol. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that makes sense. You're Korean. Uh, I mean it makes sense. I mean, you don't <laughs> mind <the> judge. <laughs> it was uh when someone that doesn't like you ask for your opinion. They hate you. Let's just say they like they traditionally hate you or it has become your enemy because you see what I'm saying? Like they don't like you because like the way you are, you like you okay, told yeah. them something, you yeah, told them yeah. Yeah, too yeah, many yeah. truths right, and they right, decide, right. you know what, you're too mean. I'm not going to be mm-hmm. your friend anymore. Right, right, right. Like, you know what, you can't be doing that because you're not smart enough for someone, someone that you kind of put down, but you're trying to do it so that they like move to the next subject. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Like to, to, to kind of get them to think in a different level. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And so like, I have sometimes that at where that person comes back and goes, you know what? They come four or five, six years later, maybe 10 years <laughs> later, they come back years. and they go, <laughs> they come back and they go, you know what? Actually, I think you were right. And um, I'd like to ask you a couple more questions. So that's okay with you. You get that uh, Facebook notification. I think you did says, that. You did. I, I feel like you triggered me so much in the beginning. I was like, who the, who the hell are you to say all this stuff? I got so yeah. mad. <laughs> Like, I, I am not going to repeat it on the podcast because it's so messed up. Mean. Yeah. 
but eventually I could kind of like see your truth to it. And I feel like you helped me in a very uh, critical time that I don't even know if you realize. So thank you for that. But I know what you're talking about because I experienced the same thing. I feel like if people trigger you, you want to pay attention because it means like you connect with them on some level. So they probably have something to say that will help you if you can get past the initial shock. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I do think that's, that's the, that's that whole thing. I was saying good things and bad things. They always come at a cost. Uh, you do a good thing when you compliment somebody, but then like maybe they might not improve. You do a bad thing where you make fun of someone for a, 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 something that they're really lacking. And the weird thing is that the good can come out of it because now they'll focus on it. Hopefully they'll focus on it and they'll, they'll improve it. So that's why I always say like, even sometimes doing like always the nice thing or the good thing, sometimes that, that cause that comes at a cost too, because uh, then someone goes, you know what? I am the smartest person. Then they're not going to study anymore. Or uh, you know what? I am the nicest person. Then how are they going to improve their self? Someone, sometimes you have to bash somebody to kind of get the, you know, you got to do the demolition before you do the restoration on the house. Right. You know, yeah. you do a rescue. You got to break some stuff down first. Yeah. So it's just an interesting thing to look at. Okay. So who do you find funny besides me? Ah, man, you're the funniest. Like everyone, right? Everyone, right? Anyways, but like, who do you, like, what's your humor style? Like, who do you, who do you find funny? It's like comedic sense. Uh, the one that really got me to laugh a lot was uh, Chris D'Elia. Yeah, oh, you like Chris? Like, Interesting. Uh, I didn't think you were that That one type. was, uh, okay. that one was kind of hilarious. Uh, Kevin Hart, I, I like it. And there's, there's some funny stuff on there, but you know, he, he tried, he, he kind of panders to the audience. He, he's trying to be mainstream. He's going for mass appeal, right? He, mm-hmm. He's kind of, uh, Dave Chappelle was really good. Uh, you can't do that kind of humor. I like a lot of the, you know, the, the racial humor. Cause mm. you know what? I know that people say that's, that's racist or he's being racist, but I look, man, we, we got racist. And one of the best things that comes with, uh racial diversity sometimes is the jokes let's let the jokes fly man i mean especially i think a lot of comedians have got onto this thing where they're like we can't make any racial jokes anymore because people are being so sensitive hey this is one of the benefits it's kind of like you know you like the foods that other cultures have to offer come on let's yeah, do exactly. some stereotypes let's you know what's funny like Daniel, I oh, I wish you could see my routine, but like oh, I recorded it, so maybe I'll send it to you. But like yeah. I did a racial cards, like literal racial cards for dating. So I pulled it out at open mic. I was like the strengths of the white man, and I would read it yeah. out loud. I had like Asian, Muslim, Latino. I had all of it. And the fucking room, like I did it three times. One room loved it. Another room was dead silent. It was like, what the hell is she doing? Did it yesterday. Had a lot of fun. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do funny. racial humor. Hell yeah. So okay, how can we know about more about you? How can we stalk you? How can we visit you? Get our teeth drilled by you? Drop <laughs> your link if you want to uh, yeah, yeah. out. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I can. Uh, what What do I usually do? Okay, my 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 practice is in Alexandria, Virginia. It's uh, Alexandria Total Dentistry. Not really a creative name, uh, but you can find it at www alexandria total dentistry uh, that's all one running word uh, dot com and um you can find me there you can book appointments there uh you can do anything from i pretty much cover the full scope here we're doing wisdom teeth 
extractions. We do extractions, implants, whitening, all those things, cosmetic dentistry, veneers. They do pretty much the whole thing. That way you can, you know, stay with one person. I know a lot of people, I, I didn't really initially want to do all that stuff because it is kind of hard to have all the materials around to do that stuff. And sometimes I'm kind of scrambling to find a special lab for your case. But I actually started doing that because I remember when I was working with my dad for just a couple months after I was school, I remember they were saying, everyone was like, man, I love your dad so much because I don't like going to dentists where I have to get pitched out. I, it's already stressful going to find one dentist. I don't want to have to see another specialist. It's not that I don't like the specialist, just it's another person, another office. It's unfamiliar. I'm nervous again. And, uh, I see that. So I try to cater to that kind of population. I also like working in-house because then it's always my fault. So you know where to put <laughs> that finger. Uh, whereas it becomes the blame game sometimes when they know oh, well, the, you know, the paradigms didn't do the right job. And then you get caught in limbo. Whereas you can just point at me and I said, I'll make it better. Uh, it didn't go how you expected. And uh, I can credit this. I have full control of like, it, what what the, what can be credited and what can like you know what maybe this didn't work out for you so I'll take whatever you paid already for the next procedure we'll get the we'll get a solution eventually but uh, I know that the t time is invaluable I can't get your time back but I will be able to you know credit your finances for the next procedure and I I try to take care of people so be the best I can I I try to be a little bit mean keep people mostly at bay. Because uh, I don't need my cell phone having all these pictures of teeth. It's already weird, you know. Don't look in there. Uh, one of my friends, uh, Eric, actually, the, the oral surgeon, he went to China for a little bit, like rural China. Uh, he he told me some stories. He's like, what? Uh, but one of the stories that I thought was hilarious is that in the place that he was at, uh, the doctors and the dentists are all lumped together, and uh, they can do anything. If you're a doctor, you can do anything. Basically, it's just what you're comfortable doing. And so it, while he was there, uh, he's going in for his oral surgery rotation. So he was going to become an MD as well. So he's doing his residency there. And uh, everyone just sits around, a lot of smoking going around. The doctors love to smoke over there. Uh, so they're all sitting in the locker room. He goes, I love this place because I can smoke. And in the dental clinic, I can never smoke. I feel like I'm like a criminal. But in China, smoke them if you got them. We got packs of cigarettes going around all day, every day. So there's a locker room full of uh, highly educated doctor bros smoking it down in the back. And yeah, I remember he said that like I got called in once and that basically this is how they do. Like the, the new trainees, the new trainee doctors, I'm not saying that like don't know how to do anything, but they want to learn from some of these, you know, old guys that, you know, they really know their stuff. Uh, the experienced guys, maybe they're not old, but they, they know their stuff. And, and basically you wait around all day and you be nice to them. And one day when they're over full or they got extra time for you, they'll teach you something. So Eric gets the call. He goes, Eric. I think you got cut off. Okay, you're back. Hello? Yeah. Oh, you're back. Okay, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I got, it gets disconnected some of this. But uh, the, so he calls him in and then he goes, uh, I want you to do this for me. Patient's intubated. Uh, he wants to put a catheter in. So he, he puts a catheter he goes, just uh, do what? And he's like, just, he goes, yeah, just grab it like this and just slide in the catheter into it. He's like, get his penis. So he like unwraps the catheter. He does it. Uh, that's not the interesting part of the story, but after he, he finishes <laughs> okay. it, 
Yeah, after he finishes it, he's like, I, I didn't know I was going to be working on this end. I'm an oral surgeon. But uh, so he, he does it, and then he goes, he grabs Eric's phone. He goes, give me your phone. He, he's going he's gonna to take a picture, and he goes, can you do this? Can, can you take it? Yeah, I don't know. I'm in China. I guess I can do this. He takes a picture of him, and then at first he takes a kind of stiff picture. He goes, nah, loosen up. So he loosens up, and he's leaning over the penis. This guy's out. The, the patient's out. He's leaning over this penis, smiling with his thumbs up with a uh, catheter in his penis. And it's like really close to his face. And uh, he goes, uh, so I lost my phone at the club. And he goes, I hope no one like finds that phone and looks through the pictures because there's going to be, there's going to be a couple pictures of me <laughs> next to penises with my thumbs up <laughs> oh, yeah. with, with my face very close to it. I was like, wow, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, what are we talking about? I was going to give you a chance to uh, so- your bread. <laughs> You want to talk about Instagram or no? You want to keep it secret? Oh no, yeah, you can put the Instagram on there. I don't uh, know where your Instagram my, is. Just my my Instagram is uh, I think I think my personal one, which I kind of just lump all together, is uh, Daniel J Lee. Uh, there's no spaces or capital letters, but it's uh, D A N I E L J A Y L E E. That's my Instagram handle. But I, I think I have a professional one. Uh, there's one for the practice, but it's not that interesting because I always wanted to develop it a little bit better, but I never really focused on it. I do have a lot of pictures that I, I want to put on there, and I do want to do giveaways on there at some point, like whitening giveaways, things that, like, you know, everybody wants to do. Hmm. But uh, that one's not – I think that one's just, like uh, – I, I got to look it up. Uh, the, the Instagram for the office is going to be – I think it's, like – Alexandria. Oh, it's it's the same thing. It's Alexandria Total Dentistry, just all one learning word, uh, with no spaces or capital letters. But that's just on there. So that that has uh, if you want to follow it there. I don't know how many people are going to be. I'm curious. I I feel like after this is out, you're going to be swimming in the P. Okay, by P I mean penis. But seriously, I, I want to thank you so much for doing this interview because you helped me a lot, even though we have this weird relationship where we kind of like hate each other. But, um, <laughs> but I think it, <laughs> so I was like, who's a funny dentist? No, oh, wait. Hey, Daniel's a funny dentist. So thank you for being on here. You were actually educational. So thank you for that. And also hilarious. Yeah, yeah, you did a good job. So thank you so much for being on here. I really appreciate it. Everybody, get your teeth fixed by him if you're in the D.C. area. And uh, thank you so much again.